0: Hello, and welcome to the Jill Cruz podcast. This is Jill Cruz. And today I had a wonderful conversation with my colleague, Kelly Moore. And Kelly is a mental health counselor. And we talked about emotions and how sometimes uh, the emotions that are really coming forth frequently are not necessarily, you know, we get stuck in a kind of a pattern and we may not really be getting deeper down to the emotions that are kind of beneath the surface so if you're angry all the time or you're sad all the time there may be other stuff going on kind of she said it's sort of like the tip of the iceberg sometimes so we talked about that and we talked about how emotions relate to eating and how some skills to deal with coping with that and we also had a special guest on the podcast so you'll see when you start listening I think you're going to get a lot of good reminders and uh, tips about emotions and how it relates to your health. Enjoy. Hello, little girl. <laughs> Today we have two special guests. We have Kelly Moore and we have her beautiful daughter. And what's your daughter's name? Adrian. Adrian. So Adrian is here with us, and she's 17 months. You said 17 yes, months ma'am. old. Yes. So we have a a special guest today. (laughs) So, Kelly, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. Of course. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, me too. So let's start off by uh, maybe you could tell us why you do what you do, a little bit about your story, about what brought you to your work.
1: So basically, for me, it was really about paying it forward. I remember being in high school, and it was my either junior or senior year. And it was a really hard time for me. Recently lost my father and just going through a lot of things, just changes and relocating and trying to figure out who I was at the time. And there was this amazing social worker at the school and she stepped in and really like allowed me to have a voice and to talk about things and explore challenges. And I told myself like, I want to be her when I grow up. I want to be like that. I want to help people like really transition into who they want to be and help them figure it out. Because sometimes our paths get a little, you know, they get a little muddied. They get a little hard to define and see. So just having that support can mean the world to somebody. So I wanted to be that person.
0: Mm, yeah. So do you feel like what what changed after you spoke to her or you you worked with her? What changed for you? So basically, I come from a culture where
1: it's, what happens in this household stays in this household. We don't mm-hmm. talk about things. We don't explore things. We don't process things. We just kind of pray about it and move forward. And I am a huge endorser when it comes to prayer. Prayer is amazing. It is a part of that self-care that we do. Mm-hmm. But then there's other aspects that we have to also, you know, I think a wound can't mm-hmm. heal if we just stick a band on it and just mm-hmm. allow it to sit underneath that band Sometimes we have to get stitches. Sometimes we have to, you know, really clean that wound and make sure that it has time to heal and get back to a healthy state. And that was really what it was for me when I was able to talk to her, to know that, yeah, there's somebody out here that's willing to listen to some of that trauma and be able to help me to process it and move forward from it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I'm actually reading the book right now, The Body Keeps the Score Yeah. Every therapist I've ever met knows that book. (laughs) It's like (laughs) one of, I guess, the books, perhaps. I don't don't know, but uh, it's a pretty intense book, you know, and this is something I've learned in my own training. I'm a coach. I'm I'm a nutritionist, but I'm I'm also a coach. And um, the training that I got is actually implemented by two therapists so uh, they're a PhD um, psychotherapist, and and she, the wife, is a um, dance and movement therapist. So they integrate a lot of movement and, and breath work into the coaching programs and stuff. So one of the things that I've learned, I know at a very late age, actually, probably just a couple of years ago, about the importance of not letting emotions be hidden and be locked down. And um, like, for me, I I definitely became really good at just locking them down. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't even know I had some of the emotions that I had. (laughs) Honestly, you know, I, I was like, wow, I have a whole lot of anger around that situation and fear. And, you know, so it's so important for us to, to express those emotions, right? Not to just keep them stifled so i think that's probably part of the healing process right of course yes i
1: always feel like a lot of times with my clients we start off at the basics we start off with emotions because a lot of times it's even hard just identifying what you're feeling in the moment or even being okay to say like i'm feeling multiple things i'm not just feeling one thing i'm feeling several things and then the other aspect of it is Sometimes we're taught that certain emotions are wrong to have. They're bad emotions. Like we have to push them away. We have to push away being angry. We have to push away being upset. We have to push away being afraid. But there's no such thing as a bad emotion. All emotions are valid. All emotions should and can be experienced. But it's just how do we use that? And how do we sit in that emotion and not allow it to control us, but to allow it to be and then Process it, experience it, feel it, understand it, invite it to the table and sit down and talk to it. And then Mm. from there, we're able to move forward and figure out, yeah, I'm angry right now, but I can turn this to me advocating for myself. Mm -hmm. I'm scared right now, but I'm going to turn this into some excitement because I'm scared because I'm about to take the next step in my life. And that is exciting, but it's scary, too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How do you, I guess you probably work with your clients on this, like what specific advice do you give them to, you know, let's say we have been taught, most women have been taught that anger is negative, right? That Mm -hmm. we should not, I think that's a big one for women, right? (laughs) Like, You know, God forbid you're angry, then suddenly you're, you know, I won't say it in front of Adrian, but you know there are some B words that come out and some other words that come out that 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 um, we're stigmatized for for feeling anger. So well, how do we how do we get across that? How do we get over to the point where we can say, oh no, my anger is actually not a bad thing. It's I think it really
1: comes to being able to understand where that anger is coming from, and I always say that even a lot of times we look at anger and we say that it's a, you know, it's the tip of the iceberg when it comes to emotions. There's something underneath it fueling it. But I feel like that about a lot of emotions. A lot of times there's something else underneath it. And so once we're able to figure out the root, yeah, we can justify that anger being there, right? Like you're hurt. And it's okay to be mad because somebody hurt your feelings It made you feel that way. Or you are petrified of what's going to come next. And now you're using anger to kind of fuel you to move forward but how do you want to move forward that's where the difference comes right it comes into what are my actions in moving forward
0: yeah yeah I love that so it's you know what I think um like the tip of the iceberg thing is really interesting because I think like for myself those little sounds in the background are from our dear little guest and we are welcoming her into the podcast today for all you listeners we love children and we want them to play and have a nice time and be with their mommies. So
1: <laughs> And I'm definitely in the field where like I, I spend so many times with kids. So this is a part of the new normal for me now. But Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think I remember when my kids were little, I I didn't mind if they made noise, but I was always worried about the other person minding, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so anyway, I just wanted to point that out that we, Adrian is welcome here today. And so the tip of the iceberg thing is interesting because I think like for me, some things that I look back in my childhood and I thought that I was sad about, Mm -hmm. and I would, I would start to feel, allow myself to feel that sadness, like you said, right. Kind of sit with it and put my arm around it and say, okay, sadness, you know, thank you for being here and, Mm -hmm. and, um, accepting it. And then, but then as I go deeper, I find, oh, wow, I'm actually angry as well yeah. about that mm-hmm. situation. And then I go a little bit deeper. I go, wow, I, as a child, I was actually afraid and I still have that fear. So I think that's very interesting what you're saying about the tip of the iceberg. And Sometimes we think we're just sad about something or just angry about something. But actually, mm-hmm. there's other stuff probably lurking underneath the water. <laughs> yeah so I mean and I, I feel, feel like a lot of times we don't even recognize that sometimes
1: these emotions come out a certain way because of a trauma response right yeah like I um work with so many people that look at their lives and they're like oh no I didn't experience any trauma because it wasn't like the stereotypical trauma right like yeah it wasn't just kind of blunt neglect or abuse but that could still be traumatic right and then how we respond to that And then we don't recognize that, yeah, the reason why I'm I'm going to this emotion is because that is a safe place for me to go, because that's how I've had to handle it in the past. So even with anger, that can be like a safe place to go because that trauma response is like, yeah, this kept me safe in the past when I felt this way.
0: Yeah. And that may be your your default you know uh, you you developed that as a, as a defense mechanism for your survival mm-hmm. but now it's sort of a default thing and it and it may um block that progress of looking deeper right into the fear that maybe you experienced in that situation or you know whatever other emotions i have a question for you so a lot of uh, the clients the people that we work with are women who struggle with eating right so they may they may have, like, it may be like a manifestation, you know, like you said, almost like a def- uh, survival mechanism, mm-hmm. you know, well, food is a comfort, right? So instead of crying all night and facing that horrible pain or whatever it is, I'm just going to eat. How do we deal with that? Because and I, I think sometimes it's almost like a, a deadening feeling, like um, a numb feeling that people have and they just say, well, you know, I'm just going to eat and maybe I'll feel something. I know this is complex stuff, but mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if you, what what you, I'm sure you have clients who struggle with eating stuff probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eating is so complex.
1: It really is. It's something that, you know, unlike any other form of like addiction, mm-hmm. when like food is something that we can't avoid. We can avoid drugs. We can enjoy alcohol, but food is something that we act actually have to put into our bodies to nourish us. Yeah, And so when we start to form this belief that like, yeah, food, I go to it for comfort or I use food to as a sense of control, mm-hmm. that's when we have to start to like re-examine like, what does this really mean to me? Like, what am I using this food for? Like, how am I comforting myself with this food? Mm-hmm. And really assess like, okay, am I eating because I'm hungry or am I eating because... I'm sad. And if I'm feeling sad, then I need to address the sadness, not the eating. Right. Like it's really allowing ourselves to explore, like, why am I feeding my body and how am I really trying to feed my body? Am I trying to feed my soul or am I trying to feed my body and really look at that and process that?
0: Mm, So feeding your soul, that's an interesting thing, because, again, food is complex because there may be, you know, we're coming up on the holidays now. <laughs> and you know, it's a tough time, right? Some people have again trauma or sa- a lot of sadness associated with the holidays, maybe you know, saw- lost a loved one or mm-hmm. felt neglected during the holiday, whatever it is. And so then the food becomes a way, like I think what a lot of people say is that, yeah, I am feeding my soul with this food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And
1: I am a counselor that loves to challenge people. I'm like, are you really? Uh Because we are taught that, right? We're taught at a young age, like, oh, I'm putting love in this food, right? And we start to interpret that, right? Like, our mom makes us that our favorite meal to celebrate us. Or, you know, we have this go-to comfort food. I know for me, I love bread. (laughs) That's a (laughs) comfort for me, right? But really examining and saying, like, okay, yeah, it does feel like I'm feeding my soul, but am I really like is does is there still an emptiness at the end of it all? Even after I eat this plate of food, like what am I still feeling afterwards? And really thinking about that, because yeah, of course, I don't know how many people have like utilized Noom before, but Noom, I love that app because it definitely explores the psychology behind eating and food and things like that. And sometimes we're taught like clear your plate, like you have to, and then that becomes programmed into us like I have to clear my plate. No matter if I want to eat it or not, it has to go. Or, yeah, like these certain dishes have to be there for Thanksgiving. I have to eat these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when we start falling into those mind traps of like I have to do certain things, that's where a lot of troubles come in. So we have to reprocess like, okay, yeah, I'm not saying I can't eat these things, but I need to do it in moderation. Taste it. Sample it. Really experience and be mindful while eating. That's another Mm -hmm. huge tool, too how many people are mindful when eating? A lot of times we're just gulping it down versus like, I'm actually savoring this. I'm tasting it. It feels good, but I'm not going to excess with it. Like I'm actually experiencing this moment.
0: Yeah. And then alcohol plays a role too, right? Because it, it numbs that decision-making part of our, you know, the part of our brain where we would normally say, okay, I'm going to stop. Is compromise, mm-hmm. you know, when we've had alcohol. So, but I love, I love, uh, you know, you're, you're saying all the stuff that I always say. <laughs> so, this is good stuff. It's, it's great to have this conversation because I, I think we need reminders all the time. Because, like you said, I mean, food is, you, you can't, we die if we don't eat, right? So <laughs> it's, it's a, it can be a daily challenge. And we tell ourselves these stories that may not even have been our own stories. It may have been, my mother's story or my grandmother's story, that questioning, I think is what you're saying is the question. It's the, it's the awareness and the questioning and not just doing it because you've always done it because your mother always did it. That's an important part of the process. And like you said, it's not like you're saying, oh, oh, no, you can't have the pumpkin pie. You're just saying, how can I come into this situation with my mindset and my awareness and maybe yeah. still have a little pumpkin pie?
1: We have to stack ourselves to win in these situations, right? Like we go into it with a game plan and then also alternatives. I think that's another thing too. A lot of times whenever we think about changing our lifestyles, it's a matter of like, oh no, I'm depriving myself. I'm depriving myself of all these wonderful things instead of looking at it like, oh no, I'm exploring other things that can be wonderful too. I remember Mm -hmm. when I was younger, I, one of my teachers, she brought in asparagus and we tried asparagus and I was like, this is the worst thing in the world. I hate asparagus. It's disgusting. I will never eat it again. Let's fast forward about 15 years later. I love asparagus. Mm. Like it's reintroducing yourself to different things, finding alternatives. And instead of saying like, I can't have this, it's like, no, I I can have this and I can enjoy this and I can make things differently and I can still, you know, partake in certain things, but just alter things. Right. And make it something that I'm having fun with. Cause whenever it feels like a chore, of course you're going to go into it with a defeated mindset. So mm-hmm. it's a matter of like making it fun, making it exciting.
0: Yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah. The mindset of this stuff is huge, huge. Um, what type, what type of people do you work with normally? You're in Tennessee, right?
1: Yes, I am in Tennessee. So I work with a wide range of clients. I have worked in career counseling um, right now. Still do that transitional, like with career, life changes, anxiety, depression. Yeah, really helping out with one area that I love is boundary work. I love doing boundary work with clients because I feel like it's so important when it comes to relationships, Mm -hmm. when it comes to ourselves, because we have to set boundaries for ourselves, too. And really figuring out, like, no, I'm not just saying no. I'm saying yes to me, and I'm being vulnerable and sharing who I am and what I need from others and myself.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. It is so important in in relationships and also like in self care, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, like you said, the self, our own self boundaries of like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm creating this boundary around pumpkin pie. Or whatever it is, you know. So, yeah, that's great. I love that. So, you work with? uh, Do you have your own practice? Well, yes, but
1: I haven't been really bringing a lot of clients in for my own personal private practice. I do do group practice. Actually, I have too many jobs to list. But um, (laughs) I work in a couple of nonprofits as a one as a counseling supervisor and then also as a mental health consultant work with kiddos. So for one of them, I'm actually helping with like Head Start kids and like trying to help them develop the skills that they need early on for mental health and helping their parents to support them. Because I feel like it starts young, right? Like we learn how to express ourselves young. One of my favorite movies ever is um, Inside Out. And even though it's on a kid's level, it's huge for teaching us about emotions. And I think Disney did a great job of like introducing kids early on to like expressing, identifying, and being okay with even the emotions that we feel like aren't pleasant.
0: Mm mm-hmm. hmm. I, I, that was a cartoon, an animated film, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember and that. I actually, that was really the crazy part about it, I actually assigned
1: it to some of my adult clients. Like when we're exploring emotions, <laughs> I'm like, watch that, grab your kiddo, watch that movie, and we'll talk about emotions. And they're like, oh, wait, I'm trying to avoid anger and sadness and disgust but it's okay. It's a part of me. It's who I am. It's a part of my identity. Let me express it and actually own it and experience it.
0: Yeah. That's so beautiful. So anybody listening, if you're struggling with this, watch the movie inside out and, and (laughs) neither Kelly nor I have any stock in that movie. We just, (laughs) we're just recommending it. (laughs) And the big, big takeaway from this conversation for me is, you know, we, we all have these emotions And we may not be expressing them in the way like we might just fall into like a default pattern of expressing them, which may not be exactly getting to the root problem or the root emotions. And emotions are not bad, whether it's excitement or happiness or anger or fear, they're just emotions. And so as we label, we, you know, continue to label them as bad, we're always going to, because I noticed for myself, like, if i have a negative emotion for a long time i would then now pile some guilt or shame on top of it right mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm feeling angry about something but i think i shouldn't so now i'm i'm shaming myself and judging myself because i'm feeling that anger and it just comes mm-hmm. you know compounds the situation and makes it worse but if we could just say hey i'm feeling these feelings and that's okay that's part of being human um and especially regarding food to be aware of how sometimes we would use food to to squash down those emotions or to comfort ourselves mm-hmm. and avoid turning toward them.
1: And I th- I think you did a good job of like explaining the concept like of self-compassion. And I see that all the time especially when it comes to like dieting and things like that or not actually not dieting, changing your lifestyle habits that it's one mistake, and you're like, oh, I I can't keep going. I made Mm -hmm. a mistake. So then you start to guilt, start to feel that guilt, and then you start to feel that shame, right? Instead of acknowledging like, oh, no, I had a hard moment. This was challenging for me. I'm having some emotions around it. Everybody experiences these hard things at times. But how can I be kind to myself in this moment? And how do I get back into that swing? Because, yeah, I'm human. Humans make mistakes. And it's not a mistake unless I keep falling into that pattern. So giving... Ourselves with grace,
0: yeah. Oh, I love that so much. The compassion thing and dieting. I'm also anti diet. I, I think that dieting is honestly. I think the dieting industry has done a lot of trauma in and of itself, yeah. perpetuated it or accentuated. You know, our, our society. It's it's coming out of our society, but so many women have struggled with this dieting notion, and it's like no. Let's forget about dieting and let's start thinking about just like you said, you know, creating a new way of eating, a, a way that nourishes your body and cares for your body
1: mm-hmm. and
0: and bring with it the compassion. So that's, yeah, yeah that's wonderful. Well, I could see the atrium. Is she getting a little sleepy? She looks she a little is. sleepy. <laughs> She's
1: definitely past her
0: nap time. <laughs> The expression on her face is just, I wish we were on video. I mean, you know, everybody could see the video. <laughs> it's like that, that sort of mesmerized kind of, oh, I'm falling asleep. <laughs> so I thank you so much for being with me today, Kelly, and sharing your wisdom. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation. I thought that was fantastic and I hope you did too. I hope you got lots of good info from that. And so if you would like to connect with Kelly, Kelly Moore is her name and uh, her LinkedIn profile info will be in the show notes. And also if you are in Tennessee and you are looking for therapy services, Kelly works for a practice. It's called Smith Behavioral health and wellness. And so that's a group of practitioners that you could work with including Kelly and get some care and you know talk therapy that is so so important for our health. Right? It's not just our mental health, it's it's our physical health. It's there's no distinction. Our mental and our physical health are one. So it looks like an amazing practice check that out if you're in Tennessee. Also, if you are inspired and you are on your health journey and want more information and more inspiration, check out our website, which is winweightloss.com. That's W-Y-N weightloss.com. That stands for with your nature. So I encourage all of us to pursue our health working with our nature, not against it like most diets try to make us do. So check out winweightloss.com and you can go to forward slash blog. Thanks for listening.